Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro. Podcasting to you from a field here in beautiful rural Ireland, I'm Trev Denny, and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Liverpool 2, Leicester 0 in the Premier League from Anfield are Dave Hendrick and Carl Matchett. Dave, maybe not as emphatic as we'd have all enjoyed and reveled in on the scoreline, but tremendously so in terms of the overall play. So much to love about that performance. Um, Diaz in particular, seeing Harvey and Mo coming on and all the joy that brought and all the potential that brought to the team. And looking at uh, Thiago and Fab doing bits in the middle. Um, Happy days, man. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that would have made it nicer would have been a more reflective scoreline, you know, one that actually showed our dominance in the game. And Lisa Marie asks me to tell Carl that he owes her five goals, having suggested a 7-0 win tonight. But, I mean, if we had won 7-0, Leicester couldn't really have complained. We dominated start to finish. They had barely a chance in the game. Um, I, I thought there were some issues in our midfield before the changes, uh, Curtis on the left and Thiago on the right just didn't sit right. We changed in the first half for about 10, 12 minutes and it worked a lot better. We felt more balanced and then they changed back. But I think when Klopp made those substitutions on 60 and brought on Mo for Bobby and Harvey for Curtis, that felt like maybe that's the team. Now, obviously, yeah. Sadio will have a big say in that. And Sadio can't just be written off. He's probably still the starting left winger. But I thought Diaz really started to to ramp things up in that second half. He had a good first half. He started the second half quiet. But when the two boys came on, Thiago went back to the left side. Jota went through the middle. It just felt like things were starting to click a lot more. We played some sensational football in that spell. Created some really nice openings. And... Thankfully, we took advantage and got that second goal. As I say, the only thing that would have been better would be a more emphatic win. 
followed by the news that Brendan Rodgers ha- and Leicester City had agreed to part ways. Um, that would have that's the only thing that would make the night better. I had a feeling that that was a possibility this evening, but like I said to Guy a few minutes ago, I think it would have taken a right tonkin by us, and he might just have enough credit there on the back of um, that um, scoreline and you know their limited efforts to keep staying in the game uh, to limp on for another while. Um, I suppose it's a matter of like who the, do they think they're going to get in or what they've got going on in the background. Um, we'll talk about Leicester and their travails as the show pans on, but Carl, just to get an immediate, um, genuinely raw reaction from yourself. I mean, you know, like Dave says, and we've said myself, it would have been nicer to tack a few more on. And apparently that was something you were quite confident of. Um, I have no, um, frustrations though, on the back of the fact that we didn't, because the opportunities were there and getting carved out on a regular basis. And it took um, some good saves by a keeper and a little bit of wastefulness by us at times. And, and what was most encouraging was all that build-up play. And, and the man that Dave's mentioned already, Diaz, looks to the manner born, I have to say, just genuinely comfortable. I can't think of a single pass or possession that he had that he wasted. Um, and... That is incredibly heartening. Massively so. I think he he's come in and he looks very, very set already in the build-up play and the not necessarily all the off-the-ball stuff, but in possession where people are going to be running and you know had to link up very nicely down the left with Andy Robertson there. We just saw, what, about eight one-two wall passes, return passes, overlaps and everything else. It looked really, really natural, really, really good. Uh, so he was a, a huge, huge positive from the night, I think. There wasn't anything massively stand out for him uh, across the course of the night unless one of those late chances had gone in but I, I think what they've said is accurate there in that when Salah and Elliot came on there was a lot more focus from Leicester's defense down our right hand side at that point you know that was our early season right hand side which was so dangerous and I think naturally just Salah coming on quite fresh quite annoyed quickly got a few chances they did naturally gravitate a little bit more tilted towards that side and maybe that freed up Diaz to start roaming all over the place again um, but in general Nothing really to to worry about here other than a few co-commentary comments during the game, which were frankly bizarre. Uh, Were you a BT um, viewer on the night? Because I'm looking forward to this, if so. Yes, Mr. Hoddle, you and I have uh, watched very different (laughs) games tonight. (laughs) Let me tell you, right. Uh, You'll remember a couple of years ago, I managed to find the Arabic stream of Liverpool games with the, the absolute lunacy of the commentary Yes. The man who would reach near orgasm whenever Salah touched the ball. Tonight, I watched The Zone with the Spanish coverage or the Spanish language coverage. I can only assume that these gentlemen were Colombian because when Luis Diaz got the ball, you could hear them standing up and screaming him on. They were so excited by absolutely everything he did. And I had a wonderfully pleasurable experience watching this and not having to listen to idiots like Glenn Hoddle, who, you know, in the past week has embarrassed himself on multiple occasions, which is fair going when you only really, you know, get dragged out and, you know, get the cobwebs knocked off you once or twice a month, as as Glenn tends to be. 
I, 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 I'm blissfully unaware of what it is that Glenn has done, but hopefully this will come out in the washing over the course of the show. Um, and let me just say as well, I have to say, you know, one thing you, you flagged it up there, Dave, that, you know, it does bear mentioning. I believe that that is the ninth Premier League game that Thiago has started. And I believe that that is a win in every single one of them. Um, it's just a joy to see that kid on the pitch every time he's on the pitch mm. and the stuff that he brings. I saw someone today saying he even loses the uh, ball with a bit of class, uh, you know, and I can totally relate to what people are well, saying there. The only game that him and Fabinho have played together in midfield that we haven't won was the derby at Goodison last season when we had the last minute goal ruled out. And that was after Van Dijk had gotten his leg snapped by tiny arms that's the only game him and Fabinho have played in midfield together that we haven't won which is a staggering record absolutely sensational when those two play the the, the level between them and everybody else is it the gulf is enormous it's absolutely you know they're the best midfield pairing in the Premier League and City can put out whoever they want those two if they play every important game here the rest of the way we have a real chance to win everything. Well, stick with me on that then, Dave, seeing as I'm talking to you about uh, our makeup. And let's look at the lineup that uh, Jurgen chose to go with, with uh, the back five being the first choice back five of Allison in goal and, and, and the defence, like I say, is the defence. That is his first choice. That's who he goes with when he can. Uh, Tiago and Fab, he will always go with it. Would appear when he can. The, the the captain had some sort of an issue, so he wasn't even in the squad. So I think he would have started today, and that would be his midfield. Um, as it was with Curtis Jones, I wouldn't mind getting a little comment about. Curtis and his overall weight that he fits in from you today. You've already spoken a little bit about, um, you know, which side suits him better or more to the point, which side t- suits Thiago better. And then that front three that we started with, again, remember everybody listening in the absence of the two best, two of the best attackers that we've ever had, two, be- two of the best attackers in the Premier League. In the absence of both of them, we can put out Jota, Firmino and Diaz. This is exciting stuff. And we look at our bench, Dave, and uh, Kanata's on there, which is always good to see. Jimmy Miller's on there. Naby Keita, who must have had uh, real hopes that he would get that starting midfield berth. Mo Salah's on there, which, of course, he won't be on a regular basis. Ox, Minamino, Simicus, Kelleher and Harvey Elliott, who came on to great effect as well. I mean, it's great to see this, the squad looking robust and the bench looking robust, even with a last-minute with, withdrawal, like the, the, the Henderson situation. Um just talk to me a little bit about that lineup because I liked where you were going with this might be the team, the one that finished, if you like. Um, I, I see where you're going with that. I think, you know, Bobby getting slowly replacing that central role by Jota, uh, Mo and, and, and Sadio or Mo and Diaz either side. But who is the, the magic man to make up the trio in the middle for you? For me right now, it would be Nabi. Because I I think he's still a better player than Harvey is. But I think for Jurgen it might be Harvey. I think it might be Harvey. If Harvey hadn't... We, we'll, we'll never know what would have happened if Harvey hadn't broken his ankle at Leeds. But Henderson was dropped. Harvey, Fab and Thiago. There's only one spot in that midfield that's open to debate. And if Klopp wants someone 
who can be an attacking, creative hub, it has to be Harvey. If that's who he wants. Now, like I said, I would rather see Naby play there. But if I'm Naby, I'm calling my agent tomorrow and saying, look, I, I just need to get out of here. This this is not working for anybody involved. I need to get out of here. Because when Curtis Jones is starting ahead of him, no disrespect to Curtis Jones. He's, he's a fine player. He's going to be a very good player. There is absolutely nothing that Curtis Jones is better at right now than Naby Keita. Not defensively, not on the ball. Nothing. And yet, Curtis is the one starting. Now, you could say, oh, it's rhythm. He's been playing more recently. Naby started against Cardiff. Yeah, he didn't play well, but he was just back from AFCON. So, if I'm Naby, I'm asking out. I think Harvey is the one. Now, it may well be that for the rest of this season, it's a bit of a rotation between him and Henderson. But I think long-term, moving on past this season, it probably will be Harvey Elliott. And I just think it works better when Thiago yeah. plays left side. I think that the midfield looks more balanced defensively. We look more balanced as well because, you know, what we were seeing in the, the first half when Curtis was left side, Thiago was taking up more advanced positions. And when we were losing the ball, Fab was having to cover across and there was these big gaping holes left in the center of our midfield setup. When Thiago's on the left-hand side, Thiago covers them and he did it three or four times today just dropped back into the edge of the penalty area, picked up a cross, a loose pass, whatever, and got us going the other way. It works better with with Thiago on the left-hand side because he's a very good defensive player. And obviously then you get everything he gives you on the ball and he can open the pitch up a bit more. He's got that lovely disguise pass to Robbo that he likes to play, that cross-field ball to Trent. It also means there's more of the ball for Trent. When Thiago's there, him and Trent in such a small area, it, it's too many lads wanting too many touches. It works better when you split them up. And then, obviously, with Harvey, when he came on, you get more dynamism as well. I thought Curtis, when he went to the right-hand side, he looked a little bit more lively. He looked like he was more comfortable in the attacking areas, getting a couple of little one-twos going. When you ask him to play that other role, I, I just don't think he's there yet. Maybe he'll get there in a couple of years, but right now he needs to play more off instinct. He's thinking too much about every single action right now. And he doesn't have the game intelligence that only comes with reps and years behind you like Thiago has. So we see too many bad decisions. Too many times he gets caught in possession and it happened four or five times in the first half where he dawdled on the ball looking for an option. With Thiago, he scans the field, he picks his option and it's gone. With Curtis, he scans, he looks, he looks again, he looks a third time and then the ball is taken off. And that's kind of where he fell down today. And it hurt us in the first half. But uh, yeah, like I do genuinely think we're getting close to having something very special. When you look at that strong of a bench today and you remember that Mane is not there, Henderson's not there, Joe Gomez isn't there, and Divock isn't there. And Divock probably not making that bench. And if I'm James Milner, I'm probably very worried about my place on that bench because Gomez has to go back in. And I have a feeling it's either Naby or Tacky would be the other one to lose out. Yeah, and like you say, that that does have a knock-on effect. Um, certainly, come summertime for for people looking for an exit because they want to play a bit of ball. And and Carl, to look at at, at Leicester, 
a lot of talk about the absentees that Leicester had and obviously in Vardy, who's kind of a talismanic figure for them, and Johnny Evans, who um, people seem to rate incredibly highly for what he's doing with them at the back. Um, there's another notable absentee who escapes my mind at the moment. That, that's okay. That's 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 an, that's an issue, um, you know, but I'm looking at their team. And then more to the point, I'm looking at what they had on the bench. And it's a very, very respectable Premier League bench, if we're, if we're being perfectly honest. They started... With Shemichael, uh, with Justin Armarty, Ndidi and Thomas, uh, Dewsbury Hall, Sumari, uh, Luckman, Madison, Albrighton and Daka. But on that bench is Soyuncu, is Barnes, is Tielemans, is Ward, is Ianacho, Perez, Chowdhury, Ricardo Pereira and Vestergaard. There's not too many slouches on there. I mean, you may not think all of them are wonderful footballers, but they're all very solid citizens in the Premier League and one or two outstanding ballers in there. Um, I'm... You know, I'm at a loss to understand why the arse has fallen out of their season quite so spectacularly. Obviously, they've had a lot of stop starting with the with all the COVID um, nonsense and, and 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 all that goes with that, and that's understandable in terms of rhythm, a word we've already used in the show. But you know, it, it still doesn't really explain why that bunch of footballers are have fallen from from grace so far, or, or are we looking at maybe the the kind of second, third season Brendan Rodgers effect? What's your take on this? I think it's a bit of both. Definitely on earlier on in the season, they had really, really bad injury issues, especially in defence. They could rarely get uh, partnerships going. They could rarely even play the same formation two or three games at a time because the personnel just wasn't there. Uh, they've been filling in with at least one nominal defensive midfielder playing at centre-back all season long, whether it's been a two or a three. But then you see tonight, they have both of them. Both the centre-backs are defensive midfielders by you know original trade. Amati ended up as a right-back and then has gone a centre-back. But him and Ndidi are basically defensive midfielders. Now, he's chosen to have both of those on the bench, uh, sorry, in the 11 with Vestergaard, his own summer signing, his choice on the bench, and with Soyuncu, who's been you know so highly rated by many people across the last couple of years and has been pretty woeful this year in particular. And... This is something that we've actually seen with Brendan Rodgers before. Now, you remember the end of his time at Liverpool was, you know, it was all going a bit pear-shaped. He went into a couple of games, sort of, uh, must have been coming up towards Christmas time because it was the last Champions League group stage game. We'd played, I can't remember if it was like Sunderland or something like that, the game before. And we were so, so blunt in attack. And he'd left Balotelli out because he'd fallen out with him by then. He'd left Barini out because whatever happened between those two. And, you know, he, he abandoned his son and just didn't play him anymore. Ricky Lambert had been left out by then. <laughs> so we had these players fit, these forwards fit, and were not in the team. We're not in the squad. We're not on the bench, nothing at all. He didn't play any of them. And we didn't win that game. And we didn't score that game, I don't think. And then the next game, we had a must-win Champions League game, which I believe was against Basel, but I might be slightly misremembering that. And we had to win, and we hadn't scored in the previous game, but he didn't bring them back in. He opted to go with the team, which you know he thought was doing things the way he wanted to, was not um, you know falling out with or anything like that. To the to the at the expense of the team, really, he picked the team. He picked a, a squad rather, which were players he hadn't had an issue with. And it didn't work at all. We ended up with Martin Skirtle up front in that game. It was a very, very dismal attacking performance. We didn't get the win that we needed to go through the group stage. This is a habit that he's had before. It's happened, I don't think it was at Watford. I think it might have been at Reading where I saw it one time uh, at Celtic again, a couple of players that he'd fallen out with. And then you saw at the weekend, they lost the cup game. 
He's uh, very, very quickly fallen out of favour with, uh, sorry, Vestergaard has fallen out of favour with him. He's barely featured recently. He's been a perennial sub for them now. And he seems to have got this thing about him again where he's decided, look, you're not doing the job. You're making me look bad. You're not going to be in the team, regardless of anything else, to the to the team's expense again. Uh, you cannot tell me that, all right, Amartya and Didi got plenty of blocks in tonight and all the rest of it, but look at the two goals that we scored. They're close range. They are just a little bit of good movement in the box. I'm not really having it that no central defender would have improved them tonight for the amount of chances that we had, for the goals that we actually scored. This this is a, kind of a Brendan Rodgers thing where he sort of backs himself into a corner and just won't pick anybody in the team there who is uh, kind of going against the way that he wants things done or, like I said, may, maybe making him look bad. His comments at the weekend were not good, I don't think, from a, a man management perspective and even leaving people out like... very typical of him, Carl. Well, it is. It's, 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 a yeah, it's a exactly. repeated pattern. It's a repeated pattern. The thing for me is you're playing two two midfielders at centre-back and I'm okay, fair enough. We've done it before. We had to do it. They didn't have to do it. They chose to do it today. But you're going to play two midfielders at centre-back and your game plan is to park the bus, dive, time waste, and then when you're 2-0 down, then you're going to try and play a bit of football. You're going to wait till the game is over, and then you're going to try and play a bit of football. If you're going to play two centre, uh, two midfielders at centre-back, at least come and have a go. If you want to park the bus, that's fine, but put your centre-backs in then. The lads who can defend in tight spaces, we saw it today, and Carl's just highlighted it, in open play, when there was bigger spaces to defend, and Marty did okay, and Didi did quite well, especially first half, I thought he did well against Jota, when Jota was coming in field. But when it was in small spaces, when it's things that are down to just the basic fundamentals of centre-half play, when it's things that are what we see our defenders do and many other defenders do by instinct, by second nature, things that are just drilled into them, automated motions that they do, stepping up, stepping out, whatever it is, stepping across to cover your partner. And Didi and Arati can't do those things because it's not natural for them to do them. As bad as Sayuncu might be this year, as bad as Yannick Vestergaard is every year, it is more natural for them to do central defensive things than it is for Ndidi or Amarty. And if you're going to park the bus, you're better off doing it with two centre-backs in there. And then you've got Ndidi who can play in midfield. And you could have sat him and Sumare right in front of your centre-backs and said, right, now come and beat us. Now try and get through all these legs that these two boys have in midfield. And then we've still got two centre-backs who... Yeah, they may not be playing very well. One of them is just is awful anyway. But they know how to head the ball and kick the ball. And that's all we're asking them to do. Put their foot through the ball. He wasn't asking them to play out from the back. He was asking them to put the foot through the ball. Do that with your centre-backs. Don't do it with midfielders. Regardless of what petty little point you're trying to make. Because what he has done in the past week is he has upset Sayonchu, who's under contract. Vestergaard, who he bought last week or last summer. Uh, I would imagine Yuri Tielemans is currently on the phone to his agent and saying, yeah, any idea of doing an extra year or an extra couple of years here, let's forget that. Let's get me out of here in the summer. Iheanacho looked properly annoyed sitting on the bench. And I would imagine Harvey Barnes, who signed a new contract in the summer and Rogers has sort of dismissed on multiple occasions this year, 
is probably feeling the same. I would imagine there's a lot of unhappy players in that Leicester squad. And while Brendan's out at the weekend saying, oh, well, this player could go and you know maybe someone has accomplished all they can at this club, my bet would be the owners are more likely to turn to him and say, I'll tell you what, you get your bags and your baggage and head on home, son, because we've had enough of you and the players aren't happy. I, I think we'll, we'll watch with interest because it will be very, very fascinating to see what they do there. Um, and I, I don't know what it is. It makes a petty side of me that I do enjoy uh, looking at, 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 at Brendan's struggle. And, and it's, I don't know whether it says more about him or me. Can we do a quick ref watch if that's okay? Because I was I, I was looking at Chris Kavanagh over the course of the game and all I could think of, I literally couldn't get this out of my head. If 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 noted red supporter and famous Hollywood actor Clive Owen had a younger brother who was really angst ridden, um, you know, popping all the SSRIs uh, because he really would like to be a policeman, but secretly also listens to you know My Chemical Romance. And 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 Fallout Boy, I, I think that's what you would get, uh, and that picture would be Chris Kavanagh. Uh, look at him again, see if I'm right. It feels a bit accurate to oh, me. No, it, it's the- it's definitely accurate, and I think we should cycle back to him towards the end because that was a, a very interesting performance that he put forward today. He's, like he's, he's yeah, he's he's. I reckon he's listening to you reckon he's... in the dressing room. <laughs> Avril Lavigne, yeah. Yeah, you, you could, that could be happening just to get his mood back up because uh, that's that's the stuff. And now, listen, as you're going to have to help me out as well because uh, very professionally, I just assumed this was an 8 o'clock kickoff and uh, it took me completely by surprise uh, when I saw um, and went on to Twitter um, to kill a bit of time um, because I don't like watching build up. And somebody said that um, our man uh, Diaz was doing very well in the opening five minutes. So that obviously made me very nervous. I went straight on and apparently I did miss a bit of Diaz action uh, where he uh, went on a couple of early little probing um, bits and bobs, a bit of a link uh, up with Bobby Firmino again at one stage. Uh, Marty had to come to the rescue in four minutes and I think a free kick uh, on six minutes where Trent floated into the box. Um, but Bobby hits a weak header over. Now, that is coming to me via the Guardian's reporter. So if that is wrong, uh, I take absolutely no responsibility for it. But the first thing I noticed was a chance in seven minutes, and it was actually Madison leading a break after some sloppy uh, Trent uh, play, gave the ball away, uh, and Madison himself finished the move with a decent shot that caused Ali to have to make a very good stop on seven minutes. Could have done without that, I'll be honest. Eight minutes, we need we needed Virgil van Dijk to um, do one of those patented Virgil nudges, uh, which is basically, I'm a far bigger man than you, lad, so get out of my way. Uh, but it was a good through ball, again, by Madison. And, you know, you don't like to see that fella because he does have ability uh, getting his, his head up and, and getting on the ball. 12 minutes in, a dangerous ball uh, by James Justin across the six-yard box and through Curtis's legs, but it was behind Luckman. Thankfully, he wasn't able to get the ball under control. I, you know, I understand that I may, might have missed a bit of an early flurry in, involving Diaz, but this was not exactly how I was hoping this game would start. And on 18 minutes, uh, a decent move saw Trent cutting in and blasting one with the left foot, which was saved. That went out for a corner. 
we liked our corners this evening on 26 minutes, uh, quite a bit later. Decent pressure by Bobby and by Diogo Jota. Trent got across to the back post. Um, Robbo stretching to get there, crocked himself against the post trying to do so. And I'm going to build up now because we might as well at this stage, uh, Carl, to the goal, um, which was on 32 minutes. It was a Trent dinked free, which went into Bobby. His effort was blocked. That led to a corner. And that brings us to the opening goal. And it is Diogo Jada. Trent's corner is headed absolutely battered at the goal by Virgil. Uh, makes a brilliant sort of uh, very determined and deliberate run at it. Batters the ball with his head at goal. It's a good save by the keeper who parries it. Uh, but Diogo's there to hit the ball as it rises from the ground and half volley at home uh, absolutely buries it. Uh, you'd like to say it's no more than we deserve, but I, I, I think it was just about what we deserved at that point. Given that spell for Leicester, you ha- we have to acknowledge that in that, you know, we, we weren't exactly, we, we were starting to build up ahead of steam at that point when the goal went in, but it had been comparatively even up until then, unless I missed something absolutely glaring and the Guardian failed to catch it as well in the first five. Talk to me about that opening half hour and the goal, please. I think it was something that we've seen in quite a lot of matches this season in the Premier League, to be honest. It was... Um settled domination i guess i I'd describe it as it's not anything where we were massively in control of the result but just in terms of territory and possession and it was a little bit slow and probably not forcing the game very very much i think that's something we've gone away from re- really this season where before we maybe had so the first 15 minutes of the first half and the second half we used to sort of come all out and really put teams under pressure creating loads of early chances in in both 45s and then sort of step off a bit and try and control matches but it seems now that we are almost straight from kickoff into this control the game bide our time move them around and then we'll see where where our chances come from and while I think that that's okay because we have you know really really good attacking players who can just make something out of nothing a lot of the time the first half completely gets away from us and it kind of felt like that about 20-25 minutes in where we hadn't really done too much mm-hmm. since the opening stages and sometimes you do you just really need to unless you're playing against a team like Leicester who are just dreadful against set pieces anyway, you need to up the tempo and start moving things around. I, I think really in that first period that you're describing there, it was only really when Diaz was sort of roving across the front line, popping up on the right-hand side to create a couple of overloads, uh, coming in through the middle a couple of times and Firmino was drifting out to the left. That was really the only kind of times we looked like we could have that interplay really quickly to open them up. And I wouldn't say it's a concern outright because we do still mostly have real control of where the game is being played but you are always susceptible to a bit of a counter-attack or like you say the through balls from madison what i would say is in that period of the game between let's say the 10th minute and probably about the 35th or let's say about the first goal fabinho was that was probably one of the best half performances i've seen from any footballer this season he was immaculate i mean you might not notice a lot of the stuff that he does but there have been so many times when at least two occasions we would have conceded a chance or a goal other than what he did one of them was a really straightforward tracking a runner through midfield but we just miss it so so often and he just went with it blocked the cross or shot that was coming at the end of it and it looked dead easy but it's something that in the system that we play and with other personnel in place we just don't do it and it's it drives me mad but he was just immaculate on and off the ball in that half i'm glad you mentioned that because in our enthusiasm about tiago um uh, the other part of that partnership is fabinho and he is sort of 
endlessly tremendous uh and um doing that kind of stuff that you're talking about there uh it's it's not flashy um he gets his inspector gadget telescopic legs in he puts a foot in he keeps things uh, rotating but he also has such class in him as well there was a really a nice attempted pass by him at one stage as well but dave to give you the balance of the first half and any chance you want to reflect on anything that we didn't pick up on there between myself and carl in that first um 33 leading up to the goal the half finishes with us very much in the ascendancy. There's a, a great Robbo ball in in 41 minutes. Um, and as it breaks back out to the edge of the box, Thiago hits a bicycle kick just wide and it sort of bounces just wide. It's a, it's a really good technical effort. Um, 42 minutes, a lovely flowing move and Bobby's coming into it now and he stings the keeper's hands with a shot from distance. And in 44 minutes, a, a nice one-two with Jota. Again, saw Bobby hitting a left foot rasper at the keeper, and you know, Shemichael was in the right place um, most of the time during this game. Um, it, so it, the, the goal did seem to encourage us, uh, and we finished the half quite strongly. But as I was kind of getting at, and I think as Carl was kind of validating there, you know, there were periods, especially like uh, one particular period in the early part of that, in the first half of the first half, where you know, you just it was a little bit frustrating. Uh, very a marked contrast, I think, to the second half and how we we took that on. Yeah, I agree. I, I very much agree. I thought there was just there was moments of real sloppiness in that first half. You could tell certain players maybe hadn't played in a while. I thought Joel Matip had a really sloppy first half. I thought he was asleep a couple of times defensively. Some of his passing was a little bit lax. I thought that was an issue in the second half as well. Though he, he did obviously have. One run, one really nice pass, but you know, I, you you're right to to highlight Fab. Fab was just on a different level today. I mean, his ability to just take the ball back whenever he feels like the other team have just had enough time with it. It's almost like you know you see those guys playing chess, and one of them clicks the button, and their timer goes on, and then when they've made the move, they tap it again, and it goes off, and the other guys comes on. It's like Fab has that in his head and he lets the opposition have the ball and he counts their passes and when he's decided they've had enough of the ball, he just goes, take, just goes and takes it off them. And it was like watching a man against boys today. I mean, Samari is a big unit, but he's a young player. Dewsbury Hall's a, a very good young player. He just took the ball off them anytime he wanted, did the same to Madison and just kept us ticking over all the time. And he's so good. He's so underrated. Like it really... It bothers me when I see fans of other clubs trying to disparage how good he is or say, oh, this player would get in the Liverpool team ahead of Fabinho. Because I don't see a single player in world football who gets in this Liverpool team ahead of Fabinho in that position. I just think he's so, so special. And he seems to be getting better and better every season. So, you know, each to their own. I, I wouldn't take anybody over Fab. Couldn't agree more and stay with me for the start of the second half where we just continued our efforts uh, to try and get that second goal. 47 minutes, we saw Jota breaking down the left. Uh, he hits a kind of a cross shot, which needed saving, went out for a corner. Um, <laughs> on 49 minutes, we saw Bobby picking up a yellow for taking out the uh, the English stately home um, that plays for Leicester. And on 51 there was a wild kind of very wild James Madison effort 
But after that, now there's a spell of Liverpool pressure leading up to the introduction of the subs. And that's what I'm going to go through with you, Dave, uh, until we get to those subs on 58 minutes. We saw in 53, Bob driving one across the box. Um, but again, the uh, stately home cleared it. Uh, on 55 minutes, it was a great one too with Robbo and Diaz. Saw loads of beautiful lingo play between the lads tonight. Um, a real feel for what the other one is doing. Um, and like I said, I just, I'm so enthused by the uh, efficiency of Diaz as a footballer, the, the ability to maintain possession at all costs. I think this is just a tremendous, tremendous boon. Um, did that move, that little link up between Robbo and Diaz ended up with a very dangerous Robbo ball in, which the keeper had to parry 57 uh, we saw a beautiful ping Joel Matip diagonal ball. He did, as you say, have a few moments in the first, but really picked up his game in the second half. And that pass was outstanding. Diaz took it, cut in and took his shot from distance. That led to a corner. And there was a chance that came from that. It was Virgil sort of nodding it on and Jota almost got ahead to it as well. Uh, yeah. But it went over the top. And then we start and we, we see now uh, on 58 minutes, the exciting introduction of Mo Salah and Harvey uh, Elliott for Bobby Firmino and Curtis Jones. And it was exactly the pairing that I was hoping to see come in for the pairing I was hoping to see go off. And I don't mean that in any disrespectful way to either Curtis or Bobby, but I just really wanted to see what this would look like, to see Harvey coming into the middle, to see Mo coming on and doing his things. And it just, it, it, it was, I don't know, it, it felt significant, Dave. It really did. Talk to me about that introduction, but also about anything that I've spoken about there in the opening part of that second half where really we did have them on the back foot. We did. We did. We came out in that, that opening period of the second half with sort of a, a renewed vigour. Obviously, we'd gotten the goal, we'd gotten our tails up a little bit, and you, you could sense that we knew we were just better than them on the day and that they didn't have a lot to offer. Um, the changes, I agree, they're, they're exactly the changes you want. Now, I thought Bobby actually had a, had a pretty decent game tonight. I thought he was involved in some good build-up play in the first half, had some nice interchanges with both Jota and Diaz. But not only is Mo a better player than Bobby, but you're also raising the level of Jota by moving him from the right side, where he clearly isn't all that comfortable, into the middle. He gets better. So therefore, you're improving the team in two areas. And then you're bringing on Harvey for Curtis. And Harvey, with respect to Curtis, Harvey's a better player than Curtis. But you're also moving Thiago back to the left side. So you're improving the team in four different four different ways, you know, by just by making two substitutions. It was really good decisions by Klopp today to make those changes because I'm sure he probably had it in his head that maybe he'd take off Diaz and Thiago after an hour, given Diaz has only just joined and Thiago obviously is just coming back after a long spell out. He probably thought, I'll give those boys an hour and then I'll bring the two lads on. But because of the flow of the game, because of how well Thiago and Diaz are playing, I think he made exactly the right call. We got so much quicker, so much more dynamic. And the one thing I did want to highlight, you mentioned it, was Diaz and Robbo. In the first five, ten minutes, there was a little bit of a disconnect between them where Robertson was making a run and Diaz was sort of ignoring him and almost using him as just as a decoy to cut in field. 
But as Diaz settled into the game more, he and Robbo really seemed to get on a good wavelength and he started to pick out some lovely little passes for him, for Jota when he, when he moved central and started to make some little runs into that channel as well. And I thought we saw the beginning. Like we all talk about the triangle on the other side that we've been waiting to see, that Trent, um, Trent, Harvey, Salah triangle. But on that other side, there was a little triangle forming as well of Robbo, Diaz and Jota, with Diaz sort of dropping off, Jota cutting across, which creates space in the middle for Mo to move into, and then Robbo doing his bits as well. And there was just some really exciting little small things that you notice popping up. And all of it is played on the platform set by Fab and Thiago, who are just there like, you know, two grandmasters just manipulating everything, doing whatever it is they want to do, putting the ball here, there and everywhere. And then behind that, you've got the ultimate safety net. And I, I think we're probably 40 minutes into this podcast and none of us have said it. And maybe you don't agree, but I thought this was the best Van Dijk has looked all season long. I just thought he looked so controlled at such an incredible level. He looks to me 10%, 15% better than he did before the international break. That's the closest I have seen, in my view, Virgil look since pre-injury. There was one moment in the first half where Matip is asleep and Daka gets on his blind side and Virgil just came across and eased him out of the way. And it was just such a quick reaction, such a well-read thing that I just thought, this guy's on it tonight. And from there, he just looked like a Rolls-Royce. Everything was Everything he did was flawless. Tonight, absolutely everything. Not one foot out of place from Virgil. And he wasn't helped by Joel, who I didn't think had a particularly good game. I just, I, I think he's getting back to where he was pre-injury. He's still a little way off, but that's, for me, that's the best I've seen him all season. Yeah, it was that little nudge moment that I mentioned earlier on in Dhaka that had me thinking, okay, I like this. I like the look of this. He's got he's got his mojo back. And uh, I think it's a fair tribute uh, to the veracity of your statement when I sat through the entirety of Glenn and Fletch and not one point did they have any excuse to say, oh, well, he's maybe not quite the player he was before the injury and he's wait- making his way back, which has been the standard boring narrative of every pair of commentators so far. Not one second did Virgil give him an opportunity to do that because he was so excellent. So I agree with you entirely on that. And um, to move on with the second half, Carl, at the same time as we brought on Mo and Harvey for Bobby and Curtis, they brought on Tielemans and Ianacho. Uh, for uh, Sumari and Dhaka, uh, it didn't really have much of an impact um, um, or certainly the impact that Brendan would have liked it to have had. I think Ian Acho made, uh, uh, made himself seen and, 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 and showed well for the ball and ran well in behind. Um, but apart from that, I don't think it had any tremendous effect. Um, Thielman struggled to get into it. And immediately after they they were introduced, we saw um, uh, a brilliant rob of the ball by Diaz to set us in the attack. But Jota wasn't able to sort his feet out and find Mo, who's in a bit of space on 66 minutes, 68 minutes. Another lovely flowing move. 
Shot a found Diaz. Uh, Diaz skewed his his shot well wide off the left post on his left foot. Um, he was sort of moving from right to left and just didn't quite connect, make his connection. He has another one later on and almost exactly the opposite, but he gets that one on target. 73 minutes, we saw Harvey finding Mo. Uh, Mo was bearing down on goals, and it looked like it was going to be one of those moments that, you know, like, let's be honest, most most football supporters don't get to watch these moments. We get to watch Mo Salah. And as he was bearing down on goal in the tightest of spaces with men all around him, you still think he's going to do something bananas because it's Mo Salah. We got a corner from that. Nothing came from it um 74 minutes we saw mo intercepting this is a fantastic opportunity intercepted a loose pass uh broke uh he was being trailed but he was essentially getting himself 1v1 with the keeper he went with his right foot and tried to chip it across him now there were two of our lads including jota bearing down from the left uh but to be fair to Schmeichel, he got a great right hand out and stopped it was kind of ali-esque i have to say it was a very very good stop with his right hand uh and 77 minutes just before the introductions of the last few subs is where i'm going to pause it at this stage uh with yourself uh, and that was another double effort this time Mo cutting in from the left, curl the ball right to the intersection of uh, post and bar. It pops out. Eventually Diaz gets on it. He's bearing in from left to right and the ball's bouncing in front of him and he drove a great half volley that was well saved. Uh, you know, we are, the tails are up, uh, Carl. We're playing really, really good football and it, it's so encouraging to see, you know, Harvey and Mo coming on and, and it having that incredibly positive effect uh, that we would have hoped. Yeah, definitely. I think it was good timing again for the subs as much as the, the subs themselves were the right ones to make. And maybe, maybe this is a little bit of something that we're seeing uh, a little bit earlier now from Klopp in the second half of the season. I mentioned it at the weekend after the cup game uh, that he made those subs nice and early. It was like not the 65 to 68 sort of minutes that we sometimes see before he really starts to affect the game. It was well before the hour mark. And again, this one, the double sub came just before the hour mark. So there's plenty of time for those players to get up to speed and then start having an impact. I thought, you know, as much as we're obviously focused on Diaz being the new face and Jota scores the goals and Salah come back and all that, I thought Harvey Elliott was really good when he came off the bench as well. Uh, lots yeah. and lots of really good one-touch passes. His positional play was really clever in stopping them passing out as well. That period of the game was probably Liverpool's best spell in terms of build-up play and rotation of positions in the second third and clever link-ups and all the rest of it. So it was it was very, very positive to see. And like you said earlier, we would have preferred to wrap it up earlier and add another couple of goals to the score sheet or whatever. But I don't think that there was any ever really a period where you thought, we're hanging on a bit here now, we should have buried this game earlier. It, it was still a case of if another team's going to, or if another goal's going to go in, you, you felt it would be Liverpool still. Well, speaking of wrapping it up, we will be back with you in a few minutes to get your sum up uh, thoughts, Carl. Anything um that you'd like to talk about that we haven't managed to pick up on or any outstanding issues or any just summary thoughts that you have so we'll be back to you to do that in a second then we'll finish with days but let me finish the second half with you dave and we've got a goal to talk about as well because on 78 minutes they do bring on harvey barnes for Lookman, like you said a little bit too little too late from uh brendan in that regard uh there was an opportunity for us on 79 minutes a robo pullback uh trent took a touch 
but it's a bit of a wild shot over the top from him from sort of outside the box in the central area 80 minutes Iheanacho kind of stood Joel up and fired a left foot shot it was pretty well wide of the near post about 10 yards out uh then Diaz uh, a minute later has a shot on the right hand side of the six yard box that was the one I was referring to earlier on it was a nice little move and ended with Diaz uh, coming in from the right hitting a low shot across the keeper but it's well saved um you know I think Michael gets a leg to it. It bounces off the ground, bounces up off his arse and sort of stops. So, you know, he kind of gets away with one, but that's good keeping as well. Uh, a great block by Fabinho on Madison um, straight after that, after everybody knew he was offside. But it's one of those things I love to see. Um, Fabinho saying, bore off, you're not getting any opportunity, um, offside or not. And before you know it, then it is 2-0. This is the 86th minute when we go 2-0 up. It is Diogo Jada. A great bit of play by Harvey Elliott and Diaz. Uh, sees Joel Matted pushing a lovely through ball into Jada, who doesn't wait, doesn't dally, hits it first time, puts his foot through it. It does come off uh, Michael's hand, but it has so much power on it. It goes underneath the hand and into the back of the net. Uh, just to finish the game out then, we do bring on Taki for, for, for uh, Diaz, which I, I think was a deliberate chance for Anfield to get to say fair play to Diaz good stuff by Kloppo uh, we were 2-0 up he could do it uh, three minutes were added on and nothing really happened in those except a, a snapshot from Mo uh, which was straight at the keeper after a good bit of uh, work by Diogo Jada but that goal was at the least that this team deserved um, lots of stuff to pick up on there in the second half in general Dave and you know if you have some up thoughts do save them for the end but just on that on that, on that on that little section it's, it's exciting man it, i guess is what i'm getting at it it's exciting you know we could in a different world jimmy miller comes on and ox comes on today but we were able to bring on the two we were able to bring on um to go into uh, those the midfield and attack positions and it, it did have an effect and it is massively encouraging with sadio mani waiting in the wings yeah it's always encouraging when it's all good players that are playing and you know you're, you're making substitutions that are able to change the game in a positive way, not just, you know, more of the same. Like, you know, how often have we seen Henderson off, Milner on over the years? That's not a substitution that changed anything. That's just more of the same. Um, the same thing. We've often seen changes made up front that weaken the team, uh, but maybe they give a different bit of a look or whatever. But today to see two changes that did strengthen the team and improve the tactical shape was really nice. The second goal was just pure poacher's instinct. Um, I don't know if Diaz got his foot to the ball to knock it to Matip or if it was the defender trying to clear it. But either way, either way, the fact that Diaz was fighting for that ball, and this is the thing for Diaz, right? We know he's a, a very good player on the ball. We know he's going to do exceptional things with the football at his feet. But what will make that crowd tonight fall in love with him is things like tracking runners. It's things like battling for the ball. It's things like the sliding tackle that he put in over on the touchline in front of the Kenny stand, 60 yards from his own goal, just to not let them play out from the back. It's things like getting kicked and bouncing back up and looking for more, wanting the ball. Those are the type of things that will make that crowd fall in love with him. And I think there were signs of that already tonight. Everything about his... Do you remember... Do you remember... Brilliant. Do you remember Dirk Kout's debut? 
Dave? Yes. Dirk Count's debut was very similar in terms of all of those things you're talking about. Obviously, Dirk is never as silky as Diaz, but just the pure effort and Mm. then sort of safety and possession and stuff, all those things that Dirk had in abundance. Uh, it really reminded me of that. It was, just, and I think you're right. I think I think the cop really appreciate that. The Liverpool fans really appreciate that. You know, for me, the thing I took away was, like I say, just the sheer efficiency of retaining possession. That that means the world. I, I, it's yeah. such an underrated. It's an underrated thing. People don't talk about it enough. It's it's what was best about Ginny Wijnaldum as a footballer. Anyone who tells you anything else is missing the whole fucking point of Ginny Wijnaldum as a footballer. It was his best trait. And we have someone up top now who looks like he's never going to lose the ball. And if he do, and even in situations like like you said, uh, you, maybe you're right. Maybe it was actually it wasn't necessarily Harvey and Diaz. Maybe it was Diaz just stretching out his foot and causing the defender to do the loose touch, which Joel managed to get onto. But there, the that's the effort. Yeah, that, that makes that constant pressure. And Cy Brundish said it best on a recent under pressure where he was talking about one of the things about Suarez was that he was always moving. He never stood still, and Diaz is exactly the same. And another one of the best things about Suarez is how many correct decisions he made in 90 minutes of football. And Diaz tonight was exactly like that. Every time he was presented with a choice, he made the right one. Yeah. Even when there was an easier option, he made the right choice. That was a ball in behind Rather than a recycled ball and give it across, he's a clever player. He's going to fit in really well. And like I say, the work rate is exactly what we're looking for. We see it with Mo. We see it with Sadio. We've all lauded Bobby for it over the years. We laud Jota for it as well. These guys, every one of them, the attitude is spot on. Every one of them, every single time they play, they give absolutely every bit that they have for the shirt. And that's what makes the fans fall in love because you'll get players that can do spectacular things. Like, you know, you watch Paul Pogba play for United, you watch Neymar play for PSG, and these are boys who can do phenomenal things with a football. But they do absolutely nothing when they don't have the ball. And I'd rather have a fellow who may not be as good on the ball as Neymar but is five times the player off the ball. I'd rather have him every single time because I'll win stuff with him. When it really counts, I'll win stuff with him. And that's my biggest takeaway from Diaz's performance tonight is A, the decision-making, the intelligence, but B, that willingness to go the extra yard, put in that tackle, get a kick and get back up, just and always on the move, always looking to be involved. I'll tell you one thing. We saw some clever little movements from him in the box today that are going to get him a lot of opportunities. He is going to get goals just by being in the right place. Jota does it. Bobby does it. Mane does it. Even Divock does it. Salah, obviously, is the master of it. Getting in the right spaces. Diaz did it a few times today, and I think we'll see a lot more of that from him. Yeah, it's very, very encouraging. I'll be back to you to wrap it up then, Dave. And let's do your final thoughts now, Carl, in terms of the overall match and anything you know that we've left on the table. Uh, how would you wrap things up for us? Uh, a very, very positive week back in the club football scene, I suppose. Um, Klopp said it, we said it. It looks like the squad is as probably as strong as it's been at any point, to be perfectly honest. 
the longer that this group stays fit and we've still got one or two to come back as well, like Sadio, we really, really could end up with a very, very good shot at at least two, if not more trophies this season. So I really hope that we make the most of that. Um, I do think, as I said on the scouter before this game, that we're going to see over the course of the next month or so, a core team and maybe 14, 15 players who are playing pretty much every single game if they're fit uh, as we get closer and closer to those trophy-defining matches and the end of the season. So these games at the minute and the performances off the bench when people like Elliot are getting the chance or Diaz being handed a start now, these are really important if those players want to be in that team at the moment. So I'm glad that Curtis Jones got the start today for that reason because I think before the break he deserved to carry on playing. But probably to stay in the side you've got to be a bit better than he was today and maybe the same for one or two others so I do think that we're going to see a few more really good individual performances especially in the positions where there's big competition for places over the next few weeks which should only be a good thing uh nothing else specific to the match but I got a couple of stats to very quickly throw out at you for all the big big massive players on the pitch today the guy who won the most aerial duels was Yet again, Diago Cantara. Uh, he won five aerials. Nobody else came close to that. Uh, five was also the number of take-ons completed by Luis Diaz, which I think, I haven't actually gone back to double-check, I haven't had time, but I don't remember a higher one than that for any Liverpool player in the league this season. So that might be uh, a top one for the entire campaign. Uh, Diogo Jota now has 17 goals this season in all competitions, which is a career best for him. And you will probably remember there was a period in 2021, round about this time of year, where Liverpool could not hit a barn door by any stretch of the imagination at Anfield. And we lost six matches in a row uh, since the end of that horrendous run. We have now played 24 matches at Anfield, sorry, at home across all competitions because one of them was in Hungary and we have not lost any of them. That is a tremendous stat. Uh, and that's, again, I'll use the word again, hardening. I love it. Carl, what can people expect to see from you over the course of the next uh, few days? Obviously, you're going to be busy uh, with all the games coming up with Scouted. Uh, let people know what you're doing podcast-wise and also with the writing. So I have just actually published, just before we started this podcast, a piece on Diaz's debut and the wider things around it, such as people not generally getting put straight into the Premier League starting lineup under Jurgen Klopp after they sign. Uh, so there's a piece on him from tonight's game if you want to read a bit more about it. For Scouted, we've got the Burnley one coming up at, at the weekend, which I think we're recording tomorrow now. And obviously then for early next week, we'll have Inter Milan as well. I will have something on the European games coming up this weekend, but I'm not sure yet what yet because I'm writing it tomorrow. Fantastic. And um, if people have their brains switched on right, they'll be keeping a, an eye on everything that Carl is doing. Uh, and again, just before I introduce Dave to finish the show, Welcome if you are a new listener and hopefully there are many of you and we hope to there will be many, many more now that the show is available to all. Uh, hopefully you'll uh, get a kick out of it. We've been doing it for quite some time now. We're very, very uh, happy with the way that we are uh, able to do this show together. Very, very happy with my opportunity myself personally to be able to work with these lads. 
on a weekly basis, uh, sometimes twice a week uh, on all these big games. It's been a hell of a run since Raw started. So if you're new to the show, hopefully you'll stay with us and spread the word about it. And Dave, just to finish off with yourself then, um, just wrap up thoughts, anything like I say before we left on the table that you'd like to to make a note of? And if not, just um, overall feelings to finish up and then I'll get your plugs as well. Just, yeah, delighted with the win, delighted with the performance. Great to see Mo back. If that curler in the top corner goes in, I think the, 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 the roof comes off the stadium because everybody was so happy to see him back. More minutes for Harvey, always good. And he looks so sharp as well. He looked sharp against Cardiff. He instantly got into the game today. I thought an underrated part of his game today as well was how well he tracked back and helped out defensively, which is very, very promising as well. Um, There's something that's been on my mind for a couple of weeks. And Trev, you're probably the best person to ask because you saw this guy for for most of his run at Liverpool uh, more than I did. I'm watching it back on you know, grainy footage and stuff like that. I've been trying to think who Jota reminds me of most as a player. Yeah. And I, I think it's Ian Rush. Similar yeah. type of build, two, can score with both feet, great in the air despite being less than six foot, quick but doesn't necessarily look that quick when he starts moving. Underrated dribbler and an incredibly hard worker off the ball, and his main strengths, intelligence, movement, and just that nose for a goal. There's just something Ian Rush-ish about Diogo Jota when he plays that central role. I think that's a really fair observation. and It's the heading for me that that, that pushes the, the comparison into uh, a genuine sort of... A, if, put it to you this way. If Diogo starts getting into a situation, and we do know that he has it in his locker because he's a very, very clinical finisher, but if we get to a situation where Diogo's basically passing the ball into the bottom corner on a regular mm. basis, then we will be gone full rushy. Uh, at the moment, he's somewhere in between rushy and at least one or two of the other great Liverpool strikers that I've watched it's been on my mind as well who he reminds me of uh, and uh, I, I think at the moment the, the, like I mean obviously it's a, it's, it's a very 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 high bar Ian Rush sets oh, of course but, yeah, but it's the ter- highest of bars exactly but in terms of just echoes of his game yeah and like I say it's the heading that pushes it over the top for me uh, it's lovely to have somebody um, up at the top at the business end who's so good in the air you know he just like, always seems to be right place right exactly. time exactly that. and he's not afraid to miss either which is always good i do unfortunately have to correct mr matchett on one thing because i had a jota stat myself which is that with 17 goals tonight it's now the second highest goal scoring season of his career after the 17 18 season when he scored 18 and 46 but that wasn't the championship so we're talking doesn't top flight yeah but on top flight it is jota's best season <laughs> and it's also He's played 30 games. He's got 17 goals. Last season, he played 30 games, got 13 goals. It's fucking February, lads. He's going to get 25 <laughs> this year. Mo's going to get 30-plus. Sadio could hit 20. And then you've got Diaz and Bobby to come into this as well. It, it's just it's scary. It is sc- When, when Jaden Sancho tweeted out scary hours in the summer, what he was doing is he was looking into the future <laughs> and seeing this Liverpool team with a fully fit Thiago, Harvey back, the addition of Diaz and Jurgen Klopp saying, you know what, enough is enough. It's time to just wreck this whole league. 
we're going on an absolute tear here, lads. So get ready. Um, I will say we need to bow our heads and, you know, pour one out, say a little prayer in memory of the dream of the Nabi Fab Thiago midfield. We're never going to get it. It's, it's never, never going to happen. Never going to happen. But, Jürgen, if you hear this, you can make it up to us just for 10 minutes. Just 10 minutes. Fabinho and Bobby in midfield. <laughs> and just let's see Mane one side, Diaz the other, and Salah and Jota through the middle. <laughs> just go all out. Get, get Find someone shit that you, that you know can't defend. You've got Norwich coming up. It, it could be the game for it. Just 10 minutes is all we want. Bobby in the middle with Fab. And the front go to front four and just absolutely torture them with, for, with pace and movement for ten minutes. All I'm asking for. It's not much to ask for. You've done us dirty on the the Nabi, Fab, and Thiago dream, but we'll put that to one side. Let's have this other one. It could be very pretty. As for me, uh, two footed pod every day at four p.m. Daily red every day around lunchtime. Guy is doing tomorrow's daily red. I won't be on this week scouted for Burnley because I've got family stuff. But I will be back for Raw. And then next week, as Carol said, we'll have scouted for Inter and beyond. And I'm sure there'll be a bunch of other stuff. And I'm sure myself and yourself will be getting together soon enough, Trev, for uh, episode two of On the Books. For sure. No two ways about it. And for the record as well, again, if you're new to the channel and you just experienced the show for the first time, do have a go and have a listen to uh, the shows the lads have mentioned. Go and have a look, listen to Under Pressure, all the other brilliant shows. You can listen to myself and Jan Malby having a chat every week. That's always great honour to be able to talk to him. And um, sometimes I take it for granted. It's amazing. Uh, lots of good stuff going on in the channel. So do go and make yourself familiar with that if you are new to the whole setup. Um, thanks very much to Dave and... Thanks also to Carl and to Guy Drinkle, who's uh, producing the show. We will be back, as Dave says, for Raw. Uh, I think it's myself, Dave and Harry who wanted me to mention that uh, we should really pay a little bit of tribute to Joel Matip's assist. Uh, so Harry can put all of that to rest uh, in that particular Raw. Myself and Dave next. We'll be back with you for that. Know that Carl will be joining us again soon. So do keep it here. Um, it's good days to be read very very happy sort of evening for us lots of nice things to reflect on we take these moments when we get them so you know what i'm going to say uh, until we speak to you again be kind to your fellow reds and stay safe out there we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.